Hey guys, welcome back to All The Shit, and thanks for joining us. In today's conversation, Will and I discuss habits, both how to break them and form them, depending on your goals. Part of the conversation deals with my personal use of nicotine, a habit that I've tried several times to break. While I talk about my personal experience and why I'm not ready to give it up completely, I want to make it very clear that I do not recommend starting this habit to anyone, whether it's smoking, vaping, dipping, or any other delivery system. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, and while it may not be a carcinogen, that does not make it a healthy choice. The whole point of this podcast is for me and Will to be as honest and transparent as we can about our own lives, which occasionally includes our own personal issues, our struggles, and our shortcomings. We're not perfect, and we don't pretend to be. The goal is to help you learn from our mistakes and to avoid them in your own life. If I could go back and do it all over again, I never would have started using nicotine. And I hope this is the message that you take from this conversation. With that said, please enjoy the rest of this episode. Hello? Hello? Is anybody out there? Welcome to All the Shit with Tom and Will. This This is the Quick Hit Weekly. Weekly. What's up, Tom? What's going on, Will? How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Good. Welcome back to All the Shit. This is the podcast that continues the conversation. It started with the book, All the Shit I Wish I Knew in High School, which is available to stream for free as an audiobook at thathighschoolbook.com. So go check it out and see if it helps answer some of the questions that you're wrestling with and hopefully tune in here to see what other sage advice we might be able to offer you. Sage advice. So first things first, man, how was your week? I know it was a stressful one for you. We had a lot going on this week. And rolling in here saying you've basically already cashed for the... Oh, dude, I'm smoked. I'm exhausted. It was a good week. Busy week, but good. A lot going on. I just didn't sleep very well last night, so got my caffeine here. Hopefully, it'll pick me up a little bit. With that, obviously, I'm back on the caffeine sauce. But what about you? How was your week? It was pretty decent. I feel like I got everything done I needed to do. We're traveling again next week, so... Being for work. Road is, yeah, 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 for work. And not super excited about it, but it is what it is. Really, I'm just not excited to fly back to California for the second time in two months. Traveling is not getting any easier as I get older. I want to do it less, and it's just everything is a hassle, whether it's TSA or the kid puking in front of you and smelling up the plane Ugh. or, you know, any number of things. It's just like, fuck, I don't want to deal with this. That's why I elect to drive anywhere I can. California's a bit out there, I know, but within 16 hours, I'm driving it absolutely on my time, road trip style, and enjoying it. Yeah, the Just highway the, hypnosis. Yeah, man. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. The hassle of everything, exactly as you said, is part of the reason I detest air travel. Yeah, among many other things. A big things. part, yeah. So. so I want to ask you, going back to your coffee and your caffeine, I know that you took all of January off. Mm-hmm. And when you came back to it, did it hit you any different than before you had quit? No, no, not at all. So January, I did no caffeine, no sugar. I'm still not consuming sugar. I just added the the caffeine and really just the coffee back because I just freaking enjoy it. I love coffee. It's good. If it didn't have any caffeine in it and it tasted exactly the same as a good cup of coffee, regular coffee... I would still drink it. I just enjoy the flavor. I enjoy the process of it. It's one of the few things in life that give me true pleasure, true joy. 
Yeah, so. that's interesting. The process is a whole thing, like the anticipation of it as you're making it and as you smell everything yeah. as you're going and the, all that. I think that really does contribute a lot to it. Yeah, well, you know, you were talking last week about contentment, but in that particular part where you were just talking about you were in bed and you were already looking forward to the cup of coffee in the morning, and I chuckled because I've done that so many times. I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted, get in bed, pull the covers up, snuggle in, and I'm like, man, I can't wait to have a cup of coffee tomorrow. <laughs> or, you know, I've said something to Caitlin, and I'll be like, man... I'm excited to go to bed and get up and have some coffee tomorrow. And she looks at me like I've got a horn growing out of my forehead. <laughs> to answer your question, though, it didn't really hit me any different. In fact, like at all, I was like, am I going to get a little jolt? Am I going to get jittery? Am I going to have this and wish I didn't? Should I just keep going because I can? And I was like, no, you enjoy it. Just let yourself have it. And it was just like I hadn't missed a beat. It's interesting to hear different people talk about the experience with that, whether it's caffeine or anything else, especially if it's something you've been trying to get rid of. Yeah. It's always that if you have an addiction or even just an affinity, strong affinity for something that is not something you want to be continuing, but there's just that draw to it like, ah, but I want it. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear that some people will come back to it and be like, huh. It was a lot better in my head than it actually was. Yeah. And so that's been my experience. So on and off since I was way too young, like 10, 12, whatever, I've used nicotine and nicotine containing products. So I smoked my first cigarette when I was like eight or something. Yeah. I found it in the back of a, a used car. What? Yeah. Were you just crawling through used cars? Or no, what? no. It was a used car my parents purchased. Oh, okay. It was a Jeep and we were driving home and it was not from a dealer. So they cleaned it and detailed it and all that. But I was sitting in the back and I just stuck my hand between the little wall and the seat. And I'm like, what is this? And it was a cigarette. And I'm like, yoink. And I stashed that for later. And so eight years old, I went out and smoked that cigarette when my mom was otherwise occupied. And yeah, but anyways. so No, hold on. I want to stick with this for a minute. What was that experience like? Oh, it was awesome. I loved it. I mean, I, I felt, you know, obviously very almost intoxicated from, I guess, the, the nicotine. Yeah, but, like I'm sure you got the spins and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was awesome. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. I didn't like, you know, I wasn't choking or anything like that. I mean, I just... Really? Yeah. Yeah, just rocked it like I'd been smoking for 10 years. Jeez. Yeah, and then I think I did something stupid, like dumped a bucket of water over my head to conceal the scent. <laughs> this was summer, obviously. And then just went about my day. So anyways, all that to say that similarly to how I just described being able to start and stop caffeine, I did the same thing with nicotine for years and years. The difference was anytime I stopped drinking coffee and went back to it, it wasn't like, man, that's not as good as I thought it was going to be. But with dip or chew or cigarettes, after I'd quit for a while and, you know, if I was drinking or just for some reason I convinced myself I wanted a cigarette and I have one and I was like, oh man, that's horrible. That's horrible. But the same thing for me is true of alcohol too, which I think is also why I'm able to abstain from alcohol for so long. Because right now, after this week, I'm exhausted. I'm like, man, I would love to go have a beer or something, but I know it would not be as good as I thought it was. And then I'd be like, damn it, man, I just broke my 14 month streak or whatever. That's interesting. And it really ties into what we're talking about today. There's a question from a young man asking about habits and how to break them. Not even so much how to break him, but he's going through, would it be cool if we just jump right into the question yeah. and we can just continue this conversation off of it? Absolutely. Let's go. All right. So the young man that wrote in says he's having trouble breaking bad habits and forming good habits. 
and specifically says, I can't do this unless there's an ultimatum. Mm -hmm. And I read this and I understood what he was talking about, but let me read the question to you and then we can have a discussion. He says, I find myself doing the same shitty habits every day and can't change what I'm doing. Sure, I'll say, I got to stop doing this, but then I never actually do it. I think we've all been there, right? Yeah. He says, for example, I eat crappy food every day, feel really grateful that I don't have diabetes and my heart hasn't stopped working because holy crap. I think he's insinuating that he eats a lot of shit. Yeah. He knows one day his luck's going to run out, but it's too good for him to give up talking about the food. And then he gives another example that sometimes he skips brushing his teeth for multiple times over the course of a week because it's just not something he thinks about and it hasn't been drilled into his brain. Also says dentist appointments are great, has healthy teeth, and hasn't had any issues. So he's trying to figure out, understanding that he knows he has bad habits that he wants to change, but can't get to that point where he can put it down and say, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I relate super strongly to this. You don't brush your teeth either? <laughs> well, That's gross, bro. <laughs> I, I do, uh, but I'm a once a day brusher. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm an evening brusher, flosser, and then I'll do like a mouth rinse in the morning. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm definitely squarely in the, the two times a day and, and floss one time a day camp. Yeah, at least you're flossing. Yeah. That's important. But ironically, we work in a relatively high-tech industry. We work with some very smart people. I've heard people in the break room talking about how they don't brush their teeth regularly. Really? Yeah. So it's one of those things where you think, oh, are you an idiot? But no, I know these people are very smart. Yeah. And it's still just like some people just don't care. Huh. It's weird, different things that you think would be a natural habit, some people well, would look at it differently. To that, there's one point that stands out in my mind when I was donating blood. Actually, no, I wasn't donating blood. I was working at a gym, and there was a blood mobile there. And so the blood mobile was outside the gym. They were in the lobby, and the nurses and the phlebotomists were using the restroom. I remember I was working out, and I went into the restroom, and there was a male nurse that had just dropped a deuce. The entire bathroom reeked. He flushed, came out of the stall, looked in the mirror, you know, rubbed his nose and walked out without washing his hands. And this guy is taking blood. I'm like, you are a freaking nurse, phlebotomist, whatever. You should know better, buddy. Come on. Yeah, you should. I it mean, was one of the, like, my skin crawled. I'm like, I guess I'm done donating blood. <laughs> I know he's wearing gloves and everything still, but that's just disgusting. No, you're right, man. That's absolutely, anyone in healthcare that doesn't wash their hands, whether or not you just dropped a deuce or you just touched anything in a hospital. There's so much shit there that you could pick up. You should know better. Shame on you. Yeah. Regardless, that's one thing. But jumping back to his main question about having an ultimatum, I understand that deeply. And it's been a problem for me my entire life. Really? If I have a bad habit, it's easy for me to be like, I really should quit this. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have a reason, and I think that's what he's mean, like the ultimate is like someone saying, hey, if you don't quit X, Y, or Z, or if you don't start doing X, Y, or Z, there's going to be consequences. And the consequences are what make it real enough that you have to decide how important is this to me. But if it's just something within yourself, you'll always be able to rationalize it. Yeah, there's see, this is interesting. And I think because the way you and I, we've talked about vices and stuff like that before. So I think we're going to have interesting different takes on this or perspectives. I have so many questions about this. But first, before I dive into those, for you, has it been your experience that that ultimatum has to come from someone externally or could you apply the ultimatum to yourself or what really motivates you? Somebody else giving you an ultimatum or you giving yourself an ultimatum? I think it's situational. And mm -hmm. so for a couple examples, first, I grew up 
biting my nails relentlessly. I always bit my nails all the way through. Like I just had little nubs. I would be chewing on them constantly. And once I started weightlifting, I learned that you can have a better grip. Like, you know what hook grip is? All right, it's a hook grip. It's fucking miserable. Anyone following along at home, you hold your thumb in and wrap your fingers over your thumb, and that locks the bar into your hand. And it generally does not work well if you have small hands. Or small fingernails. So what I learned was by growing your thumbnails out, you give your fingers more area to tack onto. That was the incentive. Because I really wanted to be good at weightlifting. That was my sport. I was super passionate about it. That was enough hearing that for me to be like, you know what? Time to quit biting my nails. And since then, my nails have grown out. I have normal nails and have, even though I've stopped lifting now competitively, that was the catalyst. That was the ultimatum effectively that made me say, you know what? This habit I've been doing my whole life got to stop right now. And it worked. Yeah. I'm just curious if for him, that's the same. I wonder how old this individual is too, because they make comments about eating shitty and they know that it's going to catch up with them. So it almost leads me to believe that they're older, but then something they said later on made me think that maybe they're younger. So I think I'm not real clear on what stage of life they're in. For example, if you're 12 year old, yeah, you're going to eat shit. That's what 12 year olds do every chance they get. If you're 40 years old, I feel like it's a... There's still plenty of people that eat just shit because that's the easiest thing to do and it tastes good. I mean, that's a thought I had constantly too. I was always terrified of being overweight when I was a kid. For me, the fear was based on looking at my family tree and seeing that obesity is one of the things that runs in my family. And I was terrified of that. I was terrified of the idea that I could get trapped in my own body is how I saw it. Like I watched Star Wars as a kid. I saw a job of the hut lying on his thing. <laughs> and I was immediately like, holy shit, if I keep eating crap. I could have somebody like Princess Leia change to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we had different takeaways from that scene. I can see how you went there. So immediately I conflated that in my head as a young person, not understanding yeah. how metabolism and all that stuff works. But that was enough that I would constantly have guilt if I overate crap too. But once I got to high school and I realized that I literally couldn't gain weight, even eating as much crap as I wanted to, it kind of went away a little bit. It came back later once I started learning more about, all right, what is this doing to my body besides just the physical appearance? And that was in my mid to late 20s that I started to really get into eating healthy for the sake of health versus just aesthetics. That's interesting too, because you said that when you were younger, you had guilt about it, about eating unhealthy, right? So Not necessarily. I wouldn't say guilt. It was more like a fear. It was like... A fear. Okay, You sure. know what's coming and you can't stop yourself. Yeah, but it's ultimately... more of a shame of did, like, I can't stop eating. Did it eventually motivate you too? Or was it just like you'd blow it off? And the reason I ask, that's one thing when you're younger. Now, so for example, if we bring nicotine into it, I think we've been talking recently and you were trying to decrease the amount of nicotine you consumed because I think you let it increase to a level that you no longer wanted to proceed with. Mm -hmm. When you think about nicotine or anything else like that, that you like to do whatever that thing is, but maybe it's not healthy for you. Where does the guilt or the shame or the fear come into it? Why is it easy for you to eat healthy now but not easy for you to give up something like nicotine, say? I don't know. That's an interesting question. You had asked earlier about whether or not the ultimatum had to be from an external source or internal. Right. I gave the internal reference for the fingernails and stopped biting my nails. External reference is nicotine-related. I'd been dipping for a few years. I decided I wanted to stop that, and so I wound up getting these nicotine pouches that are tobacco-free. And so why did you want to stop dipping? Because of the fear of cancer. Hmm. ironically when I was thinking about an internal ultimatum and this is when I was early mid-20s 
So it was still kind of in the idiot phase of my brain. But part of me was like, you know what? Because I'd been reading all this stuff about health and how the way you eat can put cancer into remission. And the keto diet is a good way to fight cancer for a lot of people. It's a good way to, you know, all these things. And I was like, what if I just keep dipping and see if I get cancer and then I can test these theories? Like, that's how stupid I was. (laughs) That's a 20-year-old man for you. Yeah, and by the time I eventually realized, like, that is the stupidest way to approach this. Try and get cancer so you can see if you can cure it. No, you asshole. (laughs) That's that's not right, you know? Wow. So, so, yeah, I went there. But coming out of it, initially I made the transition to a non-tobacco nicotine alternative, Mm -hmm. And that worked well, and I was able to moderate my consumption, but then it just over time got more. And I decided I wanted to quit. But multiple points during that process, I told my wife, I was like, hey, I'm trying to quit this. Can you just help remind me? Like, I wanted her to tell me, you need to stop this because otherwise something bad is going to happen. Not that to the point that she's going to leave me because I won't quit using right. tobacco. But the weird thing was she tried to be more strict about it and it didn't help at all. I didn't care. Eventually, she just got to the point where she's like, yeah, I don't care either, so... Why am I know, wasting my yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you do you. Then it came back as, all right, well, I had to really sit with it and think about why is this different than stopping biting my nails, which I've been doing my entire life. Yeah. And it came down to I didn't care enough about it. I yeah. didn't have that ultimatum in myself that was like, you are significantly worried enough that it's worth changing. Yeah. I didn't have the must-do Yeah. And I think that's what he's talking about when it comes to the ultimatum. I haven't reached the ultimatum yet. That's interesting. So if somebody were to ask you for a brief explanation of how they could quit something, how they could overcome something like that, what would your advice to them be? You know, you have to effectively give yourself an ultimatum. I don't think you have to give yourself an ultimatum. I don't think ultimatums work for everybody. Mm -hmm. I did read a really good book on it. It's called Dopamine Nation by Dr. Anna Lemke. And it basically talks about the role that dopamine plays in a lot of these habits, both breaking them and forming them. Yeah. And in her experience, the only way that you can really break a habit like that is to completely abstain. And her time frame for that is a month. When we talk about habits, there's, you know, whether you're reading some top 10 list of New Year's resolutions and how to do it or whatever, everyone says a habit takes like two weeks to form. For her, she says it has to be a month, any less than a month. It doesn't give the dopamine receptors in your brain enough time to recover and rebalance and recalibrate. And that's what allows you to stay clean or stay attached to whatever that habit is because you form a new pathway and you have a dopamine response associated with it. Yeah, I was just curious how you frame that because I've, and when it comes to nutrition in particular, I love talking about it. I'll talk about it with anybody. I've had the benefit of coaching people, whether formally or informally, to help them and support them and challenge them to make nutritional or dietary based changes. And the way I always frame it, because I think we're saying the same thing, we're just saying it differently, is that particularly when somebody's talking about, oh, well, I can't. And I'm like, no, you won't. You just haven't made that decision. All you have to do is really commit and make the decision that this thing you want to do or to stop doing is more important than the thing that you're currently doing or not doing. Maybe not the best way to word it, but basically it just comes down to that decision. I believe to some extent, just about anybody can stop doing something, can break a habit, can break an addiction. We could get into addictions, a disease and all that, but how many people have overcome alcohol? People are able to do it. I believe what it boils down to at the most foundational level 
is just committing to the decision, knowing that it could be hard and you could embrace the suck. And I understand it's probably a little bit different for me to allow tobacco or alcohol or coffee or whatever than it is for somebody that's got a mental, physical, and emotional addiction truly to it. But again, foundationally, I believe it just comes down to that one singular decision and just embracing the shitstorm that's going to follow it, but knowing that you'll be better on the other side for it. Yeah. And I think one of the ways that you can do that is to take it step by step. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can say, well, you have to do this for a month for your dopamine system to reset. All right, fine. Sometimes thinking about not doing something for a month or let's say you're starting a new habit. Say you want to start working out and think I have to go and do this every day for a month. That's too much. The easiest way to do it is to do it one day at a time and just say, hey, today, I'm not going to do this. Oh, so yeah, basically you're eating the elephant one bite at a time. As That's it. Because to me, every time that I've, you know, I have quit before and whether it's my fingernails or taking a break from nicotine or taking a month off of drinking, which I've done. And similar to you, it's not something that calls me back strongly. Yeah. But the first day of breaking something is always the hardest for mm-hmm. me. Once I do that for one day, I wake up the next day, I'm like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Just do it's it re- again. Yeah, because yeah. really what you're doing is your mind is conditioned to receive a certain signal from a thing that you do regularly at a certain time. And as soon as you break that and you realize that, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. Thankfully, in my case, it hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be. Oh, it's not so bad, right? And then you can decide to do another day. Yeah. And decide to do the next yeah. day. And you're gaining so, power through that process. Yeah, so I for think me, it's... Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think it's part of the reason AA is so effective, right? They frame it one day at a time, okay? One day at a time, one hour at a time, one moment at a time, one interaction at a time, one thought at a time, and there's no pressure. Just worry about this moment, and then you move on to the next. As I understand it, I've not been through Yeah, AA, but I think the, the so key to it is the support, the ongoing support. Mm-hmm. You can't go to one meeting and be like, oh, that's all I have to do is one day at a time? Yeah. All right, cool. But I think if you had to say they had a mantra... No, they have a whole mantra, don't they? They've got their serenity prayer, whatever it is. In general, I think to me, that is probably part of their mantra or their MO or whatever that produces results for people. You know, it is like an ultra marathon, I'm sure. That's a daunting task to undertake, an Ironman, whatever it is. But it's just one moment after the other. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And we're not getting into the addiction side of it so much that I think it's more about these habits that are annoying that you know you should give up, but you don't really want to. That's what it comes down to for me is have you reached that point where there is a serious consequence? Most importantly, you can have a serious consequence, suddenly you still don't give a shit. Yeah. Right. And so then you're still not going to be able to break the habit. You have to want it. Going back to the taking it day by day, first thing is just write it on a, a sticky note or something and just write choose. That's it. Just the word choose. You know what that means. Mm-hmm. Post that on your mirror, post that on your phone, whatever you're going to see first thing in the morning, choose. And you choose whether you're going to do that thing or not. And just stick to it for that one day. Remind yourself every day, choose. The craziest story I have related to this, I went to a wedding for a good friend of mine back in Denver. In their vows, one of the things they said was, I don't need you, but I want you. And at the time I was like, damn, damn right? <laughs> yeah. Getting married? But, Put, putting her on notice, bro. But they, and they both said it to each other. But what effectively it was saying was like, I can live without you, but I'm choosing you every day. I'm choosing to spend this time with you. Yeah. And it's the same thing, right? Yeah, you're technically married, but it doesn't mean that you can't split. You have to make that choice every day to continue that. And some days are going to suck. 
Some days are going to be great, but on the whole, it should improve your life. And that's why you choose to continue. It's the same thing with any habit. You choose what you're going to do that day. Yeah. So it works for marriage. It works if they're still married. So it works for <laughs> marriage. It works for habits. Ultimately, you have to find something that you refuse to fail at for it to take effect. Right. Yeah. So in my case, when I wanted to lift, and the thing that was holding me back was I didn't have as good a grip on the bar as I needed. I refused to fail at that. And so it was more important for me to give up that habit than to continue to suck at weightlifting. Yeah. Right? Not that that makes you that much better, but it was something, right? Yeah. There's a chapter in the book, I don't even know what chapter it is, but it's lie number four, the lie that failure is final. Just because you fail at something doesn't mean that you weren't good enough or that you couldn't do it. So let's say it's trying to break a habit. You might fail at it a bunch of times. It's not because you're not good enough or it's impossible for you, but you haven't made the decision that you refuse to fail at it yet. Yeah. And you would rather do something else, whether that is eat a bunch of shit or watch another episode of whatever you're watching and now it's time for bed and I'm too tired to brush my teeth. You just haven't reached that point yet. And that's all it is. So you have to figure out, I mean, the ultimatum, it may or may not work. The ultimatum is not someone telling you something. The ultimatum is, I refuse to fail at this because for me, the consequences are not worth what it costs. That's good. I, I think the whole failure is not final thing, if used appropriately, can be really powerful. If you wake up tomorrow, you have another chance to turn any of it around. That can be the first day in the rest of your life. And every day you wake up and have that opportunity, you can do something about it. Don't spend that entire day looking back on how you screwed up the day before. It's gone. It's not real. It doesn't exist. It did. But here and now, that's all you have. And I think we spoke to that last week regarding contentment. But if you are alive, if you are breathing, if you are ambulatory and you have your wits about you, you can make a change in your life. So just commit to it and do it. And if you fuck up, that's okay. Recommit tomorrow. Yeah. So that's goes back to the sticky note, right? Each day you choose, you know it's going to take you about a month to completely reset things and get yourself to a place where you can do it more or less on your own without the pangs and the withdrawal or the urge to do whatever it is you're doing. Over the course of that month, you might be set back a couple of times. If you restart the calendar every time, all right, this time I got three days before I dip back in. This time I got seven. You just restart. It doesn't matter. And at the end of the month, if you've reduced the amount of times that you've done or increased, depending on whether you're trying to break a habit or form one, then you're going to slowly grow that over time. It might be a slower process, but you're going to get there. And it goes back to your point that you had mentioned at the beginning. Every time that you restart, you're going to feel a little bit of a mental like, oh, that was a lot better in my imagination of what I anticipated than it actually was when I did it. Or didn't do the thing or, you were trying to do. Or didn't yeah. do it right. And so that feedback is going to continue to compile as well. So it's multi-layered, multi-tiered approach, but just choose one day at a time. And again, if it's not something that you have yet decided that you refuse to fail at, there's a good chance you are going to, we'll just say relapse for lack of a better term, but to fall back into that pattern or just decide you're not ready to give it up. And you know what? It's okay to not give up some things too. Tom like, is the king of not giving things up. Trust him. Hey, that's right. I mean, to that, I want to ask you, do you want to stop using nicotine? If I'm honest, no, I don't. Yeah. And that's why I haven't. Yeah. Because every time I go to that path, like I've reduced the amount. Mm -hmm. I've taken measures to reduce my consumption rate. But there are certain things like for me having a cup of coffee in the morning. Love that extra little buzz. I think it's the same as anybody that smokes cigarettes. Like, oh, when I'm driving by myself or after a meal, there's certain triggers where it's like, oh, I just want that I have that craving and I want it and I'm okay with it. 
Yeah. And as long as it doesn't start derailing my life in some way, as long as I can moderate it, and that's what I struggle with is the moderating it, but I'm working hard on that aspect. Yeah. That's something I refuse to fail at is I refuse to fail to moderate it. Yeah. But overall, I'm okay with so it. So why don't you just keep dipping? Well, it's a whole lot messier too. Because I mean, nicotine in and of itself is carcinogenic. No, it's not. You sure about that? Yeah. Check the uh, CDC website. I'll Google it. Is nicotine carcinogenic? Nicotine is the chemical that makes cigarettes addictive, but it is not responsible for the harmful effects of smoking, and nicotine does not cause cancer. Holy shit. Boom sauce. I, I thought I'll own that. I thought nicotine was carcinogenic. Well, and that's <laughs> the reason I know this is because that's one of the things I was <laughs> like, how oh, you... I'm going to find out it's cancerous and then I'll be able to have my reason. And then I found out it wasn't. I was like, what the fuck am I worried about then? But see, that's what confuses me. If you're like, all right, I'm going to find a reason and then I'm going to quit because I'll want to quit. And because, but it seems like you want to quit, but you don't want to quit. So why, right. don't, why don't you just quit? Well, because I can enjoy it mm -hmm. and still know it's bad for me, right? Yeah. I can eat a bag of Doritos. And know it's bad for me. And yeah. I still choose to eat that bag of do Doritos. You view, do you view the Doritos as more or less unhealthy than the nicotine? It depends on which day you grab me. But to me, the vegetable oils that are cooked into it are more damaging for me. Oh, wow. I'm more worried yeah. about my cardiovascular health due to that yeah. than, yeah. Than wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's just interesting how we all frame different things, it right? Is. Whether it's a vice yeah. or not. I don't know. It's probably some sort of defect within myself, but... Just anything that could be considered not good, I, I have this gnawing internal, I, I don't even know if it's a conscious thing or what it is, but, you know, there's been periods in the past 12 months, I'm like, man, and we've talked about it. I would like a vice. I, you know what? I'm just going to start smoking again. I just, I want to. But you're, you're trying to pick a vice for the sake of having a vice. I know, and then I can't do it. Enjoy. I can't do it. I mean, I would enjoy it in my mind. Absolutely, man. Well, just say that you're a coke addict or something and just, <laughs> and not just play the not part. Be... Just don't do it. That seems oh, to be no, what, it, no, what no, you no. want, it's right? Not, no, that's funny. Okay, I see what you're saying now. It's not I want people to think I have an edge, so I have vices, and so I, I use cocaine, Tom. No, no, no. Like, I wouldn't care if anybody knew about it or anything. I wish I could feel good about having a vice. This is as close as I can come. Even drinking, I just feel that I shouldn't. Like there's this innate gnawing thing that it's wrong. Like Dude, some brokenness I, within me. Anna has the same thing. Yeah, and, and I don't know what it is. I do know what it is because I think the catalyst for it was when we got really into fitness, nutrition, and studying the mechanisms behind it. It's kind of like you don't want to see how the sausage is made because you just love the sausage. Once you know all that stuff, it's you can't unknow it. And then you look around and you're like, oh, everything's so bad. And you start to categorize things. It can really shrink and diminish your life in a lot of ways because it takes the joy out of things that you would have enjoyed, even knowing eh, this probably isn't good for me, but I'm only going to have a little bit. Right? But I think it's okay, too. Like, I don't want to paint a picture like you can't have joy if you don't do bad things sometimes with or without alcohol. It doesn't improve or decrease the quality of my life. No, you're absolutely right like about that. that. Yeah. I'm not thinking about alcohol and certainly not illicit drugs. This is more like I'm refusing to eat entire food groups because of some things that I've read. You know, and yeah. it can really limit your life socially in yeah. different interactions yeah. stuff like that. So. Well, you know, that's an interesting duality because, you know, I firmly believe in cheat meals. And my cheat meals are monumental when I have them, you know. And I'm talking about Anna's experience, so I'm sorry. I, well, ju I'm no, just in general. That on to you. But you know, so I think that's interesting because I've got it over here with some things, 
and not over oh, here at food. So you know, I just think it's an interesting thing because I will literally sit down, eat a dozen donuts, a box of ice cream, a bunch of cookies, and just plow through it, dude. Don't think twice about it. I think everyone's psychology is a little bit different yeah. on this, which is why it's difficult for anyone to nail down a solid, this is what you do oh, to yeah, break Oh, just do this. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah. But at the end of the day, whatever it is for you that gets you to, I refuse to fail at doing this, whatever it is that gets you there, whether it's an ultimatum or learning that it's going to give you cancer, whatever it is, that is where you need to get before you can really make a change. Yeah. And so, you know, just to the question, the way it's written, my thought is, I don't know that you want to stop these things. Yeah. I think you want to want to stop them. Do you want to stop truly and honestly, or do you just feel socially pressured or obligated to stop because it feels like the right thing to do, even though it's not something that you believe in yourself. Yeah. So yeah, man, do you, especially now, like one of absolutely whatever you want, because you're right. That golden ticket expires and then you start packing on pounds like crazy. So enjoy the time when you can eat what you want while you have it. This is what we're talking about when it's like, enjoy the present moment. That's part of it because the consequences will come down the road. But in this moment, hey, you have an opportunity. Fill that window with whatever you want. If that's what's really important to you. If that's what you yeah. want. But if that's what you truly want, don't do that and then bitch about it. Woe is me, right? You right. made that decision. Yeah, own it. just own your decision and be okay with it. Yeah. And at the time you change your mind and you're no longer okay with it, all right, now we can make a change. And if you just can't and you feel you need help, go find help. Go find somebody to do it with you. Find an accountability partner. Find somebody that's been there. Find a coach. Find a counselor, a therapist, whatever you need to get you there. Yeah, man. I think that's pretty solid. Do you have anything else to add to that? No, not really. I hope that helped. I hope that answered your question a little bit and gave you a little different perspective on how you can start going about this. Again, I think number one thing is just evaluate. Is it truly something that you want to quit? And if not, embrace it one way or the other. At the point you're ready to quit, I think you'll find your reason. Beyond that, go check out the book, All the Shit I Wish I Knew in High School. Stream for free at thathighschoolbook.com. Check out the chapter on failure is final and learn why that's a lie. And I think that will help get some of your thoughts around this sorted in a way that might be easy for you to process. Absolutely. Yeah, buddy. Thanks for sharing. You as well. I appreciate hanging out with you. Look forward to doing it again same time next week, man. Yeah, man. Take care. See ya.